0: One example which, which really shines, I think that's that's Verizon pushed it to the limit, uh, you could say. Uh, and we, we did a, a one project um, initially introducing mobile VPN, and they had the goal to to have a time to customer um, in the in the old physical world. It used to take them twenty days, and they really put a goal, a high goal, to to go down to one hour.
1: Welcome to another episode of Transmissions from Tomorrow, the show that gives you an inside route to the people driving the digital transformation of business and technology in the world of telecommunications. And I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined in the studio by Martin Chablis. How are you, Martin?
0: Oh, great. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks so much for joining me. Now, Uh, Just for folk listening in, you are in Sweden, in Schister, which is about 20 kilometers uh, out of the main city of Stockholm, but it's near the airport, I think, from memory, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that is correct. So this is the Ericsson headquarter in Stockholm, uh, close to the city.
1: I had the pleasure of being there uh, last year, late last year, and, uh, but I was there in the middle of winter and it was pretty cold. And uh, uh, it's uh, your morning over there, I think it's uh, just after nine o'clock and it's about 6 p.m. here uh, in uh, Sydney, it's starting to go dark. Now, Martin, thanks so much for joining us. Um, before we kick off, maybe we could just quickly get you to introduce yourself and your role. I believe you are the head of product domain orchestration in Ericsson's uh, business area digital services group, is that correct?
0: Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Uh, so I'm I'm working with um, automation, with cloud management, um, and focusing uh, lately on network
1: slicing. And you also, uh, you're in uh, Matt's Carlson's team, I believe. We've had Matt on the show, uh, Matt's on the show uh, late last year, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Matt is uh, focusing now on this area. Uh, so, so we are working on introducing automation, service orchestration, basically getting our customers from where they are today in a sort of virtualization level up to the higher level of automation, up to the sort of service orchestration and and sort of preparing them for network slicing.
1: There's some really big changes coming about, and and I'd like to jump into those in a minute. But before we do, can I maybe just get a quick bit of background on you personally, because I I love listeners to be able to kind of develop a rapport with you. We were talking earlier, and uh, you mentioned that you'd actually moved to uh, Sweden yourself for, I think, 20 years ago, you said it was.
0: Yeah, it's almost 20 years. So I grew up in uh, what used to be Yugoslavia. Um, I finished university there and um, asked to stay as a teaching assistant uh, working with artificial intelligence and robotics at the university at that time. Um, my mentor was, was a PhD from Stanford, so we did a um, lot of crazy stuff together with, uh, with Stanford at that time. Wow. Wow. But yeah, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, my my focus after academic life uh, went into more engineering, focusing on on business models. Uh, I, I found some passion in in the sort of the mix between technology and and um, and business, and that's more or less product management. What we what we call in Ericsson,
1: right? It's a uh, in- Interesting, te- interesting technical background. It, uh, you've probably gone full circle because you've gone through sort of an early academic uh, career in uh, artificial intelligence and, and I guess a whole range of things around there. Uh, and then an interesting career path and now AI is coming back into your life again.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So even at that time, sort of almost 20 years ago, there were just the beginnings of the first sort of artificial intelligence algorithms. Of course, we didn't have the computing power. To implement all that in, in reality, but we could use some of the sort of fuzzy logic for robotic control, uh, sort of using haptic sensing uh, for for robotic assembly and, and that kind of stuff. And now all that little bit coming back again, but now in a much bigger scale. Uh, I mean, if you if you look at the world with uh, with actual, actual robots being mainstream, with uh, with drones. Uh, augmented reality uh, so so yes in a sense I, I feel that you know almost what I did 20 years ago but in universities now uh, now a mainstream activity.
1: It is an exciting space but you're also in, in another exciting space um, in that uh, the whole world of I guess uh, you know the transition from Uh, you know, what we used to call box huggers of people who used to have to stand up racks and routers and switches and servers and build environments that I think Mats Carlson mentioned used to take about eight months in the telco world to kind of now what probably takes more like eight hours or eight minutes in full automation orchestration, the DevOps world and so forth, uh, running on likes of OpenStack, uh, you know, Kubernetes and Docker. Uh, Maybe just give us a bit of insight into kind of what your role is and the sorts of uh, focus domains and areas that you work in.
0: Yes, yeah, so before I, I took this um, role of, of uh, cloud management and, and network slicing and basically the whole orchestration area, um, I used to have a role of um, uh, running an NFV program. So in, in that role, we introduced the cloudification inside Ericsson as, as sort of one, um, uh, one goal. So, so we uh, created a cloud hosting organization. And introduced all our product portfolio um, to use in the same way as our customers are now consuming cloud. So, for example, our PDU, R&D organization, instead of having, as you say, racks of servers and, and, and test equipment, they basically go to a centralized um, cloud and, and they um, book virtual resources and they become tenant in, yeah. a, in, a, in a distributed cloud environment. So we learned a lot. Uh, from from our own internal uh, sort of ericsson world um and we also did some some uh, interesting partner projects with um with some of our um uh, partner uh, some of our customers who were the early adopters uh, primarily swisscom uh, telstra verizon and and uh, telefonica and sort of part of that that whole cloud transformation journey um we saw that um, the initial challenges were primarily in OpenStack, in quality, in security. So in, let's say, 2016, uh, we spent almost the entire year in just getting the, the, the cloud platform out. Uh, when I look back, I, I see we, we submitted more than 1,000 corrections in, in uh, OpenStack and Open projects. But once we sort of passed that hurdle that, that we, we sort of created a stable enough cloud environment, then uh, the next set of questions came up like, okay, how do I now increase automation? How do I utilize this, this um, uh, cloud engine to, to improve the time to customer, to reduce uh, operational cost, and so on? And, and that is basically my role, my focus right now.
1: It's a very it's an exciting space. I remember, I do remember that era in two thousand sixteen because uh, uh, when I have time, I, I sort of do my best to be a code committer as well as working through some of the design project teams around uh, OpenStack and, and run it natively here myself in my own lab. Uh, <laughs> and I, I remember seeing this this flurry of of patches and and I guess, rewrites, refactoring of code in some cases. I remember seeing. Whole swaths of code coming through for Nova just for some of the orchestration to try and get sort of from three nines to five nines and some of the work around heat with the orchestration. Exactly. Um, and, and even I think I saw a bunch of stuff come through with some of the storage stuff like buckets inside Cinder um and and some small changes with uh, horizon and and um some of the i guess the 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 front end web interface just to add functionality so that was an exciting year but you went you said you went through this whole transition transition yourself right so you you as a company i guess um ericsson and ericsson digital in particular went through this digital transformation and digital disruption yourselves internally sort of um, a developed the capability, and also I guess there must have been a lot of learning going through that process and cultural and behavioral shifters as far as staff absolutely. and people go. Absolutely, developers. Yeah, absolutely. So, what was that journey like? Yeah,
0: it 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 was a huge change. Uh, I mean, initially when we introduced, we we called this sort of Internal Hosting Department a shared cloud. Yeah, it so started small with uh, with a couple of servers. Now we are in a range of uh, a thousand, and and it was a, a huge learning process figuring out okay how do we automate how do we cut time in installation uh, what requirements do um, our own pdu organizations put on this uh, sort of shared cloud environment how do we make sure that it's up and running uh, doing upgrades in 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 real time uh, without disrupting um, uh, the, the normal operation in in the pdu which is sort of going on 24/7 so so it was an, an enormous uh, learning process for ourselves and and it also benefited in in a in a good way to our customers because we took some of these learnings ourselves before we, we went out um uh, into the customer projects
1: and i guess it's critical to do that isn't it because it's one of these things where it's not just like another another router comes out or another switch comes out or another switching protocol and sort of going from, you know, uh, I guess, you know, 10 meg Ethernet to 100 meg Ethernet or 10 gig to 60 gig. Um, I mean, this is a, a change of religion in many ways because – and it's almost like uh, what Randy Bias sort of talks about, the shift from pets to cattle, although uh, Randy acknowledges <laughs> exactly. that. I think it was an IBM that came up with the phrase, but this idea where we used to be box huggers and we used to build environments and hug them and love them and not let them die. Now we kind of, we instantiate environments and, and use them and then just kill them and slaughter them, as it were. And I guess, you know, you, you've gone through that transition internally. I, I know talking to some of the team previously, and certainly Mats Carlson, there was a, a big shift of sort of, I guess, you know, from the development team working out how to work in, in containerized Docker environments and build Kubernetes clusters, get to understand how OpenStack worked. Uh, but then also, uh, you know, I'm keen to understand the transition from reinventing yourselves internally and and adjusting that to, uh, what was the reaction like from the customers? Uh, you know, because this is a a big change, a big shift for them. The market's demanding it, but it's it's one thing to say that. It's another thing for the the likes of a of a Telstra or, or Verizon or you know, Telefonica or Swisscom to say, okay, we're willing to go there. Uh, Ericsson, take us down that journey. What what's that like?
0: Uh, it was a it was a huge change uh, because when we started, a lot of our customers have already done some sort of Tipping into a virtualization waters, so testing out the technology, maybe virtualizing one or two applications, but not really go in in a sense that introducing an internal uh, cloud hosting organization having responsibility for NFEI, basically the entire cloud environment, and then putting their typical telco departments like AWOL Packet Core. Um, Mobile broadband or IoT, uh, volte, etc., as tenants on this uh, on this uh, shared cloud environment. So, so it's a big um, organizational and 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 mind shift transformation in the in the operator domain itself. But then also a, a huge um, a technology challenge to basically um, create the right KPIs, the, the right monitoring capabilities for the for the cloud hosting organizations to be able to understand what's going on really uh, in in their in their cloud environment but also to give the tools and give the automation capabilities to their tenants which are uh, basically the the applications the the vaulted the, the IoT give all the automation capabilities to 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 those units to Effectively uh, run and and optimize their their business and and get the benefit of this cloud transformation, which is, of course, the, the time to market and what we call also time to customer. Right. How fast does it take to onboard a enterprise customer into into a new service? And a lot of our customers did um, uh, did an excellent excellent job, but but if I Could sort of lift one, one example which which really shines. I think that's that's Verizon. Um, Okay. Verizon pushed it, pushed it to the limit, uh, you could say. Uh, And we we did a a one project um, initially uh, introducing um, um, introducing mobile VPN, and they had the goal to to have a time to customer. in the In the old physical world, it used to take them twenty days, and they really put a goal a high goal to to go down
1: to one hour Wow <laughs> sixty, 60 <laughs> minutes that's um, yeah exactly
0: I, so, so I wonder what the reaction change. was like when I wonder,
1: imagine the reaction when someone at engineering put that on the whiteboard and said, 20 days to <laughs> one hour
0: <laughs> one hour guys so
1: wow. <laughs> Walk so, us through so obviously, that.
0: Obviously, <laughs> it, it's a hard problem to solve. And um, they started with, with introducing self-provisioning. Uh, so, so obviously no phone calls, no, no manual uh, sort of service introduction. So self-provisioning was introduced where their own enterprise customers could basically just type in what they wanted, what kind of um, VPN service, what parameters, et cetera. And then those parameters have been translated um, and, and given to the service orchestrator, which then basically deployed the service and configured based on their requirements. And we achieved the, the under one hour, um, wow. which, which sort of gave Verizon a boost of confidence that, okay, if we can do this, then we can do something more, much more complicated as well. Yeah which was sort of the second project, um, the Verizon Zoom project, focusing on introduction of SD-WAN and virtual CP. Okay. And there, uh, <laughs> the target was even higher. Um, so, so they wanted to have a massively multi-vendor offering, not just a single vendor, but every sort of component uh, could have a multiple vendor uh, from Cisco, Juniper, F5, et cetera. So load balancers, firewalls, SD-WAN optimizer, all from from sort of different vendors. And give, the, give their customers um, the opportunity to choose freely. Right. Uh, of course, that introduced a number of enormous challenges, like, okay, how do we onboard? How do we implement... Um, uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment—you know the DevOps type of working—with with such a massive, um, multi-vendor uh, environment, and and we did many things for the first time there. So, so so we realized that we have to have like a test and onboarding automation engine. So through that project, we created um, uh, basically a new sort of add-on to our portfolio. Uh, basically a, a test and onboarding engine, which takes all the sort of new components from all the different vendors and uh, automatically tests. And when the testing is passed, it, it sort of puts it in a, in a, in a, in a catalog for deployment. And, and, and this sort of cut weeks of usually manual testing as it used to be done uh, before to, to, to basically uh, under a day. Um, wow. Yeah. So 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 that was one sort of first. We of course took this uh, sort of product back to to Ericsson and, and now uh, it's it's part of our standard offering. Uh, we enriched it of course with the uh, Evol Packet Core test cases, IMS test cases. So so now when we go out and do similar projects, part of the complete automation scheme is that not just that we can deploy. Um, individual VNFs, but we can also orchestrate the complete end-to-end testing, and the acceptance is done in a in a matter of an hour, which which then truly cuts the sort of time time for all the introduction projects to 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 uh, yeah a few days, few weeks.
1: There's orders of magnitude of value there. I mean, like just listening to that. I mean, it's breathtaking to go from. Uh, you know, the likes of, let's say, 20 days to one hour, it's mind boggling to go from weeks to to seconds. Um, But that's just, I mean, you know, if you and I were talking about it from a a technology point of view, we're talking about it with some inside knowledge as a developer sort of background skill set. That's one thing. But to take that back to the boardroom and convey the business value, I'm really keen to get your insight on the kind of reaction that the customers like uh, Verizon had when when you go back to them as a as a partner and you say, "Well, mm-hmm. you know, Ericsson can Ericsson's de- delivered this, but we can deliver it as a, a an off the shelf thing now, and you can deploy it not just in your lab and a test environment for a minimum viable product. You can go production, and you can go production at scale." There must be a point at which Except they it. sit there and go, "Well, it was interesting to do it as a trial. It it works. We've seen it. There's there's a a big leap, not so much a faith, but a big leap in transformation of their own business to say." All right. Well, we've now got a service catalog. It's cloud based. The customers can self service. What does it mean to scale us out? If we've got you know ten million clients and they all want to stand stuff up, what does that mean? Walk us through some of the the eureka moments, the aha moments. When you when you're talking to the technology component of the business at Verizon, that's one thing. What's it like talking to the business side of the organization, talking about not just you know r- reduce time to value for themselves, but also as you said, time to service to the customer, th- even just the the time to market. I mean, the return on investment. In that the amount of money they spend with you, compared to the amount of revenue they can drive, must yeah, I mean it must just blow their minds.
0: Absolutely, and and you just touched some some really important key points, because we always forget that okay when we introduce a service um, and and we sort of cut the time in in the in the introductory phase and cut the time in the deployment phase, but then we are sort of ending up in in operating that that environment, operating that cloud environment. And, and that is where, where we have seen and our customers have seen in the past, that that's where the real cost kicks in, because the complexity when you introduce, you know, went from the sort of physical world where we knew how things work, to a much more complex organization, um, with a cloud hosting, with a with a virtualization layer in between, uh, much more things which can fail. Um, so the only way to to really achieve high return on investment is to push the automation to to its extreme limits, even in operation. And this was another sort of uh, first time, uh, which we done with Verizon, uh, a closed loop automation. So, so we, what we basically done is to collect all the data from from the hardware from from openstack and from the services um, and the individual applications and there is a, a a policy engine monitoring what's going on and if anything goes wrong uh, like an application is overloaded the uh, hardware failed or or openstack uh, is, is failing there are automated processes in place uh, so, so there's no need for manual intervention which, which sort of truly moves this from, um, from a semi-automatic uh, knock type of ways of working to, to, to an autopilot. And, and this is what, what is the base or, or, or the minimum automation requirement to sort of take the next step, to move this to, to, to what we are usually talking about, the network slicing, to introduce hundreds of these kind of services. Because imagine if you, if you cannot operate one <laughs> automatically, how will you be able to operate hundreds of slices yeah. uh, in, a, in a good way? So this was a little bit the, <clears throat> the aha moment for us as well is that, okay, now we understood that, okay, we really need to push the automation to, to this high level before we can go to network slicing before we can go to the, the, the level to, to introduce um, uh, new business models and new services to, to industry verticals. And, and the technology is there. So, so that's, that's maybe what, what is so exciting, that in 2018, now we can deploy a mobile broadband, we can deploy IoT or or volte. Uh, as a complete end-to-end service, a complete end-to-end slice, which is which is truly
1: exciting. It's mind-boggling. I, I remember reading in the uh, the latest um, Patrick Carlson's uh, publication with his team, the uh, Ericsson Mobility Report back in I think it was November 2017 last year, and uh, we did a few briefings and, and uh, events around that. And there was um, some data in there that speaks directly to what you're talking about with regard to scale. And one thing that, mm. that I, I, I took away from it more than anything, and I remember having a conversation with Jan Carlson about this when we were in, in Shister, just out of Stockholm. He said, uh, and the report confirmed it, you're, you're switching something like you're onboarding a million customers a day for, for your, your carrier and operator clients. And I started thinking about the, the, the moving pieces that would be involved in that process in the old school and, and what you've managed to do now where even just the concept, when we think about one million human beings on this planet being onboarded to any service, um, and we're not just talking about people you know, clicking on a button and downloading something from uh, you know, a web server or watching streaming video or music from Netflix or Spotify. We're talking about a complex zero to hero as in I've got nothing, I'm going to web page, I'm signing yeah, exactly. up, here's my credit card. Uh, to, you know, here's a, here's a, uh, you know, I guess a, an address and a SIM number and an account and username and password all the way through to the service being activated. And as you said, you know, whether it's network function, virtualization infrastructure that um, provides a, 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 you know, software-defined VPN, or whether it's a, a new customer that's going to get shipped out a new phone, uh, that, you know, that that's just so mind-boggling that uh, I remember reading the mobility report just sitting there thinking, wow, wow. Um, this is not a tipping point. This is like a Cambrian explosion, um, which kind of leads me to my next question for you. And, and, and in fact, it's kind of um, what I'd love to wrap up on soon. And that is that, you know, we, it's in, exciting to hear the transition you've taken um, internally. And, and that's been a huge success from my uh, exposure of what you've been doing. Uh, and I've been very lucky to, and privileged to see some of that uh, behind the scenes stuff over the last year or so. But, you know, it's exciting to see what you're doing in Verizon and Telstra here in Australia and others. But, um, you know, where are the where are the big trends coming through? I mean, we, if I was to hand you a virtual crystal ball and say, uh, you know, just, uh, Martin, have a quick look at this virtual crystal ball and and, and gaze over the horizon, in, in three to five years' time, or even maybe less, given that things are orchestrated now quickly, um, if it wasn't bad enough that you've orchestrated and automated the entire process of building a phone network and a carrier environment, wh- where are we going next? Like, I mean, there must be some big things going to shift now where the traditional... I guess, you know, the the killer app of voice shifted to, you know, streaming audio and then in streaming video. And, and all of a sudden, our mobile devices and, and, and phones and laptops and tablets became sort of, you know, this whole new world of entertainment for consumers and, and mobile working for, for enterprise people. What are the next big trends? I mean, where are the carriers going to go? What sort of things are you going to make possible for them? Uh, you know, artificial intelligence, deep learning, uh, you know, chatbots, there must be some big things that you've got access to that we haven't even imagined yet.
0: Absolutely. So, so it's good that you asked. If you, if you see the trends and to build a little bit on, on what we've been talking so far in, in terms of automation, I mean, now we are uh, at, the, at the level where we can start introducing network slicing. And network slicing is not just, of course, a technology. It's, it's also a different way. To, to address the needs of, of the industry. Because we can orchestrate a slice which exactly matches the needs for, for that particular customer. But not just that, we can also connect, uh, let's say, a public cloud. Because as, as we see now, um, a lot of these industries are converging. They are preparing to use 5G, to, to use the operator network services. And combine a a service offering you know maybe running in in, in amazon or azure but then connected through through the operator providing the exact network service quality they need if it's a if it's an iot type of service uh for for massive iot and then the cost is most important if if it's a if it's a critical iot like like going into industry 4.0 or or augmented reality kind of use cases, then then focusing on on super low latency, putting um, applications close to the edge, and and all this sort of mesh of what's going on uh, outside the operator and what the operator can provide to, to make all this happen is 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 what will make the next explosion. And I believe that 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 5G, uh, which which now starting to happen. Um, uh, we're going to see some some early adapters already going live um, uh, next year or 2019. So we're going to see a, a number of interesting services launched uh, with, with low latency or, or with low cost, with edge computing in mind. And here again, um, we work with a number of um, customers. Now we, we cannot really disclose their names. Um but but working in in a, let's say a, a DevOps fashion, testing some of these hypotheses. Um, how will we address with with network slicing uh, industry 4.0 challenges? How will we introduce um, a, a massive amount of uh, uh, sensors, let's say in the railway industry, and, and and so on? So so we're gonna see in the next one to two years. Um, uh, an explosion of 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 uh, services coming from the operator, uh, highly optimized, running in a in a slice on its own, uh, delivering exactly the requirements what what that service needs, and then combining that with with best to breed applications um, coming outside the operator industry.
1: There's some really big things that come about with some of the things you're talking about. I mean, uh, when we think about um... You know, even just the advent uh, and the introduction of 5G, you know, the transition from I guess you know 2G GSM through to 3G was sort of shift from radio to digital, I guess, and and some streaming. Two to three to 4G was I guess you know a little bit of download streaming. 5G now makes mm-hmm. it possible to go return path. You know low latency, but sort of you know in building or campus or or you know i guess um, precinct wide sort of uh, you know capabilities in the protocol uh and and, and you know according to what 's coming out of the Ericsson labs and certainly what 's in the three g p p standard documents i mean this this is yet another big shift because things that you know some of the things we're talking about when we think about the internet of things uh from a consumer space or the industrial internet of things for for mm-hmm. uh, uh you know i guess non consumer space and you know whether it 's Uh, cars or trucks or or delivery micro robots uh, you know drones um, full-size taxi drones Uh, you know it's one thing for a sensor to be on a bridge or a train and be collecting stuff and pushing it back because that that could technically be done in two and three g decades ago but when you've got a car doing uh, you know 50 kilometers an hour down a street near a school and a child kicks a soccer ball and runs into the street you can't have latency because that car needs to know what's going on and where it's at in the map and what's in front of it right
0: yeah absolutely so so all these new type of services which will benefit for for low latency um uh, edge sort of deployment they will be, be possible with with 5G but also uh sort of the cost uh of deploying massive IoT will be uh, will be improved through through 5G deployments but we shouldn't forget as as you say that uh, Introduction of network slicing is primarily a new business model, how to to run business, how to operate, how to offer the best of breed um, sort of services from the operator uh, to the industry. And a lot of that can be done already now. So so there is, of course, uh, with 5G coming more related to low latency, but there is no need to wait there are business opportunities uh, already possible to address now. Right. And that, is, and that is why we focus so much on getting the basic sort of automation in place, the closed loop, the test automation, the service orchestration as a sort of base so to prepare our customers to take this next step. Because, without sort of that that sort of introduction that climbing a ladder of automation they they will not be able to truly benefit from from the value of five g
1: uh, look I, you know that's that 's probably a perfect point to wrap up on because I know that uh, we're coming up now on your time, but uh, some amazing insights into what you're doing inside your organization, your team, certainly within the uh, business area digital services space that you work in uh, in your role of head of product domain orchestration. Uh, I, I suspect that we need to get you back on the show in uh, in a couple of months' time uh, after uh, TM Forum soon uh, to kind of see where things are going next with the customers. But I, I do like that that key point that you just to uh, close up on there, and that is that. Uh, and I, I think if I was going to extend on that briefly, um, uh, we're at the point now where your customers are almost at the point where they're going to self service from a service catalog from Ericsson. Uh, your customers customers are going to self service from service catalogs from the likes of Verizon. What's gonna be interesting exactly. is when it goes the next level that Verizon might have a bank and that bank will offer a service catalogue to consumers like me, that I can then go and instantiate some new capability that doesn't exist yet on the bank's platform with orchestration with my mobile device that runs on the, let's say, Tulsa of Verizon networks that is a service catalog offering, that runs on the back of, of your environment. And you know, I, I think that That then, that's when you've really got to do the things you're talking about, have automated testing, have everything operate at scale, closed loop testing in particular, that, you know, a level of monitoring that we may not have seen before, because uh, there's a very big difference between standing up a virtual machine that might be running your email to uh, handling not just a video call or Netflix, but maybe an emergency connection through two ambulances in a hospital, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And be careful, Des. Some of the ideas might be implemented next time we talk.
1: <laughs> I really hope so. Well um Martin Chablis, thank you so much for making time to catch up with me.
0: Thank you.